0: You wait, and you wait, and you wait, you wait for years, and then all of a sudden, the thing you wait for happens. It's there, right in front of you. What do you do now? Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart, and I get to be the minister here. Thanks for joining us from wherever you find yourself today. Know that you are welcome here. Today, I'm joined in leading worship by John, who's going to read for us. So let's listen now for the Word of God.
1: The New Testament reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was very old, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. When the angels
0: appear to the shepherds in the middle of the night, they declare to them that they're bringing good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is the Messiah, the Lord. It all sounds great. Who doesn't want good news of great joy for all people? The shepherds rush to Bethlehem to find the baby all wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger and they are indeed overjoyed. They're so happy that they tell anyone who will listen about what the angels told them about the child before they return to their sheep still singing praises to God. I wonder, how many times in your life have you felt like that? So full of joy that you had to tell everyone all about it. I wonder what caused such joy? And how long the joy took to fade a bit as life returned to normal. Or how long it took you to realise that people are happy for you, but the joy isn't theirs. One of the good bits about the days between Christmas and New Year is that the TV schedule is different. Not that most of us even watch what's on the TV at the time these days. It's all apps and on-demand now. It turns out there are loads of brilliant kids' animations on. If you haven't seen the amazing adaptations of the Julia Donaldson and Alex Scheffler books like The Snail and the Whale or The Gruffalo, then you're really missing a treat. The other day, Avril had gone out and I made a coffee and turned on the TV, probably to watch whatever sport was on. Instead, I found myself watching the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out. I've seen it before, but it was a part of the film I didn't really remember. For those of you who haven't seen it, Inside Out is an absolutely brilliant story of what goes on inside the head of Riley, an 11-year-old girl. Inside her head is a command centre where joy, sadness, fear, disgust and anger struggle to work out how to react to what's happening to Riley when she moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. Joy is in charge and she just wants Riley to be happy all the time. Everything goes wrong when joy and sadness get lost and have to journey through Riley's mind, through her imagination, her memory banks and her subconscious. Joy eventually realises that Riley needs sadness too. And that some of what Joy thought were purely happy memories were actually tinged with sadness. And we all know that sometimes the moments of greatest joy come after sadness. Joy comes in the morning, writes the prophet. I think we all recognise that. There are times when we have moments of great joy, but those moments are often when something changes when we realise that things will never be the same again. That's what's going on just a few days after Jesus' birth, when Mary and Joseph make the short journey from Bethlehem over to Jerusalem to present Jesus at the temple and to offer a sacrifice to turtle doves. Luke seems very keen to tell us that Mary and Joseph have fulfilled all the requirements. Jesus has been circumcised as required and as firstborn son he must now be taken to the temple along with Mary to take part in the ritual of purification that happens after birth. Remember, these are very strong religious ideas around blood at this time, so so anything that happens where there is bleeding needs a ritual purification afterwards. It has nothing to do with sin or anything like that. It's a health and hygiene thing. At the temple, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus meet two people we almost never talk about as part of the Christmas story, Anna and Simeon. We read that Simeon was righteous and devout. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I wonder... What it was like to live with that kind of promise. You will see the Messiah before you die. It's been a long, long wait. And there must have been times when Simeon was discouraged. Times where he doubted the promise. Times where he lost hope. But prompted by the Holy Spirit, Simeon goes to the temple where Mary and Joseph are there. And he takes baby Jesus in his arms. And he starts praising God in words that have been used by the church across the centuries. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. It's known as the Nunc Dimittis. And it's become a part of the night prayers of the church, which are sometimes called Compline. It's a prayer of praise and of thanksgiving. I can go in peace because I've seen the promise of God fulfilled. This ancient hymn of praise also makes an appearance in the traditional funeral liturgies. A time where we give thanks for someone's life, but also a time when we're sad because they have died. Just look at what Simeon tells Mary and Joseph in the midst of his joy. This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And he tells Mary that a sword will pierce your own soul too. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. The baby is the one the prophets told of. He's the one Simeon has waited patiently for. Jesus is the source of great joy, the Prince of Peace, if we want him to be. But there'll be some people who aren't going to like what's coming and they'll do everything they can to oppose Jesus and all that he stands for. Jesus will bring change, transformation. Jesus will remind the world of God's priorities. Just look at what Mary sings when she discovered that she was pregnant. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty. There are some people with much to lose, and those people almost never let their power and position and wealth go without a fight. Imagine that Mary must have known this. This Magnificat, the song that she sings, isn't a song that Mary makes up. It's Hannah's song from a hundred years before. It's the song that Hannah sings in praise of God when she finds out that she's pregnant with Samuel, the boy who will become the high priest, the boy who would take over from the line of Eli, the boy who would anoint David as Israel's greatest king, ending the line of Saul. Samuel is the priest who would usher in the greatest changes in Israel's history and there were many powerful people who didn't like it. And there was a cost for Hannah. Her prayer for a son was answered. Her joy was so great that people thought she was drunk. But her son, her only son, the son that she'd wished for with all her heart would be left at the temple to live a life dedicated to God. Simeon isn't the only one who's been waiting. Waiting for a long, long time. Anna was a prophet who spent every day in the temple, waiting. She, like Simeon, was very old. She'd spent all of her time there in the temple and as soon as the holy child appeared, she knew. Anna's response was to do what prophets do. She started to tell everyone who the child was. Everyone who was looking for a change. Their wait was over. Their joy is complete and Simeon, well he's content. Anna and Simeon have found what they were looking for. And I wonder if that's how it is with us. Christmas has come. The Christ child has been born. And that's enough. It's enough to know that the light has come in the darkness. Enough to know that hope is present. Time to put away the tinsel and get back to normal. But perhaps we shouldn't. Perhaps we should take at least a couple of weeks to celebrate the great joy that has come with the birth of Jesus. As part of our celebrations, we should consider the implications of And consider what our response will be, even in the face of the opposition the gospel provokes. Howard Thurman wrote, I will light candles this Christmas. Candles of joy, despite all sadness. Candles of hope, where despair keeps watch. Candles of courage, where fear is ever present. Candles of peace, for tempest-tossed days. Candles of grace to ease heavy burdens. Candles of love to inspire all my living. Candles that will burn all the year long. I wonder, now you've met the child, what candles will you light? What message will you spread? What transformation will you bring? What light will you bring to the darkness? God of new life and old lives, God of fleeting human life and of eternal life. We see all of life coming together in a sacred moment, witnessed only by a young couple, two aged saints, and a child full of hope and promise. We give thanks for the inclusiveness of this story, and for your concern for those whom we so often undervalue or simply fail to notice, the very old and the very young, the ordinary and seemingly unremarkable ones. They're not invisible to you and must not be to us if we are to follow in the footsteps of the child whose birth we have just celebrated, the man whom the powerful rejected and the poor received gladly, the one who noticed us and showed us our worth and enables us to do the same for others. Gracious God, this is not a story about powerful heroes, but vulnerable ones. The very old, and the very young. So we pray for our children, and for our old people, and for ourselves, if that's who we are. May they know kindness from those on whom they depend for care. May they not be overlooked. May they be valued, not for what they once were or what someday they will be, but for who they are now. May their wisdom be sought, their gifts valued and their stories heard. We pray for new parents in these strange and troubling times. And for grandparents, celebrating new life. And for friends, friends, gathering together with those whom they love, and for those who consider them lucky because they have no one close, or are estranged from those who once were. We pray for children who have never known the security that Jesus had from loving parents, and those who have reached old age without their prayers being answered, or their dreams fulfilled. We pray for any who, like Mary, have known the heart-piercing joy of loving another human being so much that the thought of any harm coming to them is far worse than being hurt themselves. God, who loves us with that kind of love, multiplied more times than we can calculate, hold us in your arms, we pray, with gladness and the song of praise and a promise of good things yet to be. Amen. Our time of worship has come to an end and we are dismissed to go in peace, thankful for the example of those who have served you in patience and hope and looking forward with anticipation to the living Lords to work within us and through us. We go with the blessing of God the Creator, the Source and the Spirit, with us now and always.
2: Our time of worship has come to an
0: end and we are dismissed to go in peace, thankful for the example of those who have served you in patience and hope and looking forward with anticipation to the living Lords to work within us and through us. We go with the blessing of God, the Creator, the Source and the Spirit with us now and always.